Hey, we're doing a bunch of best of 2022 stuff on the ringer.com and the ringer podcast network right now. Go check out the big picture. They did the top five movies of 2022, as well as the ringer music show. They did a best of 2022 draft featuring Charles Holmes, Justin Sales, and Logan Murdoch, the new big three. Go check it out. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's, that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Man on Fire, me and Chris Ryan, the Denzel classic, the Tony Scott classic, the Dakota Fanning classic, one of my favorite action movies of the past 25 years. We talked about every nook and cranny of Man on Fire. I have a really hot take during the episode too about Denzel that you'll enjoy. I love that movie. Prestige TV pod, Joanna Robinson and I, we did episode six, White Lotus on Sunday night. We're going to do episode seven on Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever we get screeners. But in the meantime, Joanna and Mallory Rubin are going to do their theories for what's going to happen in the season finale. They're going deep dive, Reddit board, all kinds of crap. Um, check that out probably Thursday. If you love White Lotus, Rosillo is going to talk about White Lotus a little bit later on this podcast. We haven't had Rosillo for almost two months and we had a lot of basketball to catch up on. We tried to do it so that we, we didn't talk Celtics until the 40 minute mark. We succeeded on that. We also pushed Anthony Davis and the Lakers and everything that's going on there till the end of the podcast, because by the time you hear this, the Cleveland game is going to be tonight. Who the hell knows? He might have a hundred points against Cleveland. He might get hurt. So we didn't want to lead the podcast with Davis, even though he deserved it. The Celtics deserved it too, honestly, but we audible talked a bunch of NBA. Speaking of NBA, we're presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I am going to figure out a same game parlay on Wednesday on my Twitter feed because there's like 15 Wednesday games. So there's like Lakers, Raptors. There's a really good Celtics at Phoenix. Celtics starting a big road trip. Kings at Bucks. I'm going to figure out a same game parlay and tweet it out on Wednesday. We actually had a really good million dollar picks day on, on Sunday. I didn't realize FanDuel told me one of the bets was Washington to win and the adjusted under 52 and a half. And FanDuel says when it's a tie, they count that to win bet as a push. So I won half the bet. So I thought I lost a million dollars on that and I actually won 200,000. I was so excited. I've never been more excited to win fake money, but we had, we had a little rebound on million dollar picks. I think we're, 
We're about $3 million down for the season, but I'm going to get that back. I have a good feel for the league right now, um, heading into the playoffs. I like where we're at. I like where we're at with this NBA season too. Ryan Rossillo is next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, taping this, it is 10 o'clock Tuesday morning. Just watched a riveting 0-0 Morocco win over Spain. It's only, they, they, I love soccer. The only real rub with soccer is when somebody can win 0-0. And, and you can see Morocco just be like, hey man, it'd be nice if we get to PK. It's like basketball, there's no way basketball could work like that. You couldn't basically just sit for some sort of, you know, and then of course they took care of business with PKs. But anyway, I'm rambling. How are you? I'm good. I'll never understand like nobody gets to know how much time's left. <laughs> like, think about that. Think if you were like, okay, we're gonna yeah. have this sport, and guys are gonna run up and down. It's gonna be five on five, and we're gonna, you know, every bucket's gonna be two, and then eventually they'll make threes. If you get fouled, you get two chances at one point shots. And there's traveling, you get a pass, you get a rebound, you get a defend, athleticism, all this stuff. They're like, well, how long does it go? Well, it kind of goes like 48 minutes ish. <laughs> and then everyone in the arena, everybody watching TV, and the guys playing. Nobody really will know when it ends. Yes. And I know soccer people are like really protective of that. That seems, it's always felt like a pretty simple fix. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> well, like, it's, it's I, tough with the injuries and stuff. It even like, I see it in high school and, you know, youth soccer, the same thing. They, they, there's no level of soccer where they figured this out. It's always, you never really totally know how much time's left. Um, incredible NBA season so far. We haven't talked, you and I haven't talked since we did the over-under on a pod um, in two months. So this is for our first pod in almost two months. What's your favorite thing about this season so far? Probably just the high-level guys. Like, And it's a carryover of what we've probably talked about the last couple of years, Bill. Just how many awesome players there mm. are in this league. And it feels like every night you're going, I want to watch this guy. You know, like sometimes it'll be a game where I go, I feel like this is the game I need to watch. But then there's like, you know, I haven't watched this guy in a week or something like that. Like even getting back to Zion, that Zion game against the Raptors where the other CJ and Ingram were out and Toronto's trying to figure out like what to do with Zion. And then you're reminded like, oh, when he has the ball a lot, that's right. He's an insane passer on top of everything else. So I think the high level talent and the last thing that would be quick was something we also touched on before the season started. The worst teams are all still fun because I want to see who these guys are. We've had awful teams in the past where you go, what are you even rooting for? Like Houston's not a good team. There's four or five players, and I watched last night's double overtime game again. That was gross. Me last too. Against the six. It was one of the worst games I've seen all season. But at the same time, like if you're a Rockets fan, it's exciting just because it's unknown. And you're like wondering what four or five of these guys are going to be. So even the worst teams are a lot. I don't, maybe they're not a lot of fun for everybody. It's just super interesting. You? Yeah, I've been trying to do every week, trying to do like a power poll so I have a feel for where the teams are. And the worst five teams are San Antonio, Detroit, Houston, Charlotte, and Orlando. I like watching four of those five teams. I don't like watching Charlotte. I'm, I'm out on Charlotte. But uh, the other four, uh, even San Antonio, they have guys I like. I know they're in like tanking for Wemby stuff, but every team seems to have like three or four players that I enjoy watching. I think it's been... We predicted that this was going to be a really talent stack season. 
and that there were some middle-class teams that we were optimistic on, like Sacramento. I think what's weird about this year is like, like I, I the latest list I made, I had Indiana as the 19th team. They just went into Golden State and beat Golden State last night without Halliburton. You know, and I, I think that's, yeah, that's the variance this year where you just, it feels like anyone could beat anyone on night to night, but it's not like parody like it is with the NFL, where in the NFL, they want it that way. In this case, there's just like a shitload of talent. I think, I think the, the New Orleans piece has been kind of, you know, Davis, everybody's talking about Davis and the Lakers the last few days. And we'll talk about that later. We're trying to be careful because they're playing Cleveland tonight. We don't want to lead with Davis because who knows what's going to happen tonight. I think New Orleans, everyone was kind of looking at them with the amount of talent they had. The fact that none of the guys were healthy at the same time, but then there were some really good advanced stats with them already, even though they hadn't had their full team. And now they're 15 and eight. And as you said, like they can, they have all these options where it's just be like, all right, let's make this the Ingram game. Let's make this the Zion game. They're the, they're the kind of high ceiling team to me, but would you call them, are they a fringe contender for you or are they an actual contender? Yeah. Actual contender feels too soon because we still haven't seen enough of it. Ingram's missed eight games. CJ's missed a handful. Uh, Herb Jones has missed some games, but every night, like even, you know, two guys like that. So I think you're on it every now and then I'll be like, oh, that's right. <laughs> you know, like early right. in the season, Trey Murphy is a real thing. Yeah. Like he was, he was more than just a three point shooter at UVA. And now you're seeing him on some of these drives. And I've even seen some offense from, from Herb that I'm like, wait, this is different. And Valance Eunice gives you a big option if you want to do that. Larry Nance. Larry Nance is always the one where obviously I know he's on the Pelicans, but it's this yeah. running joke where I could tweet every night. Be like, Larry Nance is on the Pelicans? Alvarado's better. Um, Devontae Graham, if you needed to roll somebody. Like Dyson Daniels, he was really good in the Toronto game. And yeah. that's without Jackson Hayes even playing half the season. So they're the deepest team, which makes me feel in like I have to. Uh, I think they're the deepest one through nine, one through 10. What do you think? It's Boston? I think it's those two. I think it's Boston, New Orleans. I think you, we could argue about that at least. In the West, no question, they're the deepest team. If you'll get me on the known at the end of the rotation versus there's still some names, like I'll always kind of kid that like sometimes familiarity can confuse us with depth just because you know who the guys are. Yeah. Um, I just think they have a million different options, different body types. So saying all that makes it feel like you have to scream like they're a real contender, not a fringe contender. But it still feels a little quick to say they're in the group of four or five teams. I actually think if they won an NBA championship, like here's the way you do it. If the Pelicans won the NBA championship in 23, would you be surprised? I wouldn't be surprised if they made the finals because I think the West, I still don't have a West team that I feel 100% on, right? You'd say Boston and Milwaukee are the two best teams right now. I, th I think by any calculation, especially when you think Milwaukee has Ingles coming back, they're going to get Connaughton healthy and the whole thing. Like they're they're going to be, by, by March, they're going to be there. But then like Phoenix, Denver, Memphis, Golden State, New Orleans, and then the Lakers as the wild card if they make a trade. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like any of them has separated themselves from anyone yet. And they all bring different things to the table. New Orleans, you know, McCollum, he was hurt. I think he was sick. He just hasn't had a good season. And then they've had some injury stuff too. And they're still 15 and eight. You know, that that's where I'm like, holy shit. Could this be like one of those teams that after the All-Star break goes like 30 and five, you know, if they could just keep everyone healthy. 
I think they have the, I think them and Memphis probably have the highest ceilings. I still like Memphis's ceiling from a playoff pedigree the most, just because we've seen it. We haven't seen it with New Orleans. I don't know about their defense. What did you take from that one Celtics Pelicans game when the Celtics murdered them? Like they they just couldn't stop the Celtics at all. Yeah, that was that was the bad version of of the Pelicans defense. But statistically, like I feel like that game was an anomaly. You know, yeah, I maybe broke, it was. I broke the season down into two parts when I kind of do all my offensive and defensive rankings to see like what kind of fall off you have. And it can tell a real story. We're like, okay, wait a minute. Like Dallas all of a sudden, you know, like they they're not playing any defense. And the first few weeks of the season, they were one of the best defensive teams, which felt like a carryover of what was going on last year. The Pelicans have held up defensively, um, you know, like since the way I broke it up, just to, to play along here with the podcast, but like say middle of November to now. You know, yeah, they've, they've actually been a pretty good defensive team. And prior to that, they were they were top 10 still. So I just think Boston's at such a different level because I don't know how much you want to get into Tatum and Brown, but I want to do that next segment. I have a whole segment yeah. I want to. So let's I don't want to lead with it because people get mad at us. But oh, of course, we're so wouldn't be wrong. Two, first one in two months. Um, yeah. So here, here's the thing, though, the Pelicans, I still think the answer is kind of leaning towards. Yes, it'd be a surprise. They want to be a championship because you're wondering, like, is Zion then going? Because we know what that top guy has to do in the playoffs. He has to carry you in a way. And it's like, now I'm just going to assume all that's going to work out in the playoffs. So I love the roster. I love the stats of the best fourth quarter offense and all that kind of stuff. And they haven't even really had their full full guys and they have this kind of record. So it it feels fringy still because we don't know what any of these guys are going to be like in big playoff moments. There's trade potential with them that I think we have to at least kind of tuck away, right? When you're talking about who can come out of the West, they have the most options to do some stuff. And if they're sitting there and they're around 50 wins, I do think they'll get aggressive. They have so many picks. Even that Lakers pick, which is a lot less valuable than it was two weeks ago, it's still that's still a middle of the first round pick at worst, you know, not, not to mention all the other stuff they have and pick swaps and things like that. So, you know, whether, I don't think they would, you know, they just re-signed CJ. They have the Graham contract, I think, maybe. Um, I don't know if they would mess with their with the uh, with their big guys because it's actually, as you said, like uh, there's some malleability with them that I like, where they can go big against certain teams, a little smaller against other teams. But they they could upgrade one spot, and I think what we're gonna see as we get to the All Star break, we know San Antonio and Detroit and Houston, Charlotte, probably Chicago maybe OKC. You'll see one of Utah or Indiana will be sellers. There'll be like seven sellers with good players on good contracts. And if somebody like Caruso becomes available, that's where, you know, like if New Orleans could just add Caruso to what they have and then it's Devontae Graham and they give some picks, they're just adding that dude as a crunch time guy, then, then I think the ceiling goes up would be my guess. They could probably do whatever they want. You're right. But yeah. the only limitation there is you know, what's the price for a rental knowing that, you know, are you going to be positioned to, to be able to keep somebody, you know, what's the personality of the guy that you're bringing in? Is he going, Hey, mm. let's see what happens this year, but I'm probably out of here because it's still not a destination. The Zion thing worked itself out. Uh, Ingram probably, I think liked being there away from the Lakers stuff. Uh, yeah. It felt like he became a better player after that. CJ's old enough and kind of over it enough to go, Hey, we've got a real chance at this. So I just always worry about, and this is the case for probably more than half the franchises in the league, 
is if I'm making a move or I'm giving up real assets, like what's the commitment that I'm getting back? Am I getting a guy that's going to hang out for a couple of months and then be like, I actually never wanted to be here in the first place. So if for them, if it's a guy that's not expiring and the price isn't that bad, you're right though. I mean, to the, the bigger point, they have talent and picks that they can pay. They can probably outbid anybody if it's somebody they really want. And we talk about this. I mean, we've been potting together, I don't know how many years now. Like if you have the window, you have to at least take it a little bit seriously, no matter how young you are. You saw with the Celtics last year. Uh, you saw with the Celtics in 2018. Um, you saw with the Warriors in 2014 and 15. Like you just kind of never know. And I think the West, I can't get a feel for it. It felt like the Warriors were getting it together for a second. And then, you know, they just have these games where you're like, hmm. You know what? What are there? If Clay just doesn't have it and their defense goes sideways for a quarter, what is this team? You know, Phoenix, I don't know what to make of the Chris Paul thing. You're the world's number one Chris Paul fan. Like, do you trust that he's going to be able to play 10 straight weeks in the spring? Because I don't. No, I don't. And, you know, for me with Paul, it's it's been about like pacing him. Like, I felt like Phoenix needed to do a better job of having somebody next yeah. to him that allowed him to even, if he was going to play, like, do you have to have him run every single set? Like, you're going to be good. I didn't buy into the, the Phoenix was going to fall flat on its face. Like, to see them be, and be, have Booker, by the way, like, go, yeah, I got this. Like, one of my favorite things about Booker is when they were bad, he, he initiated the offense. So when they've lost Paul, he can figure it out. Payne's been a little bit better. I actually think Phoenix has really improved their bench from what I thought was one yeah, of the worst I agree. bench. For, for what was... You're a contender and you don't want any bench whatsoever. Like, what are you guys doing? Right. So they've done a better job with that. But to say, hey, Paul will be fine. If anything, if there's a positive way that I can find a way to, like, cool, rest it up. <laughs> like, miss more time. They're winning enough games. There's not somebody else in the West that you're afraid of. They should likely still have a really good seed. And maybe this is a way to have Paul be fresh every playoff game as opposed to every other one. Yeah, we we couldn't get a feel for how many good teams we we're going to have in the West. And I think we have five that we're sure of. I still like Sacramento. We'll talk about them in a second. The Lakers is the wild card. And then Clippers last night, where I'd kind of written off the Clippers in my head. I was like, all right, this Kawhi thing, this is, come on, stop it. And then they have that Charlotte game, and he makes the last two shots of the game. You count and that as a night, like, no, um, I was just, I, I was Charlotte's just like, awful. oh, I just thought Kawhi was going to be, you know, moving to a like where Chris Webber was in the 04, 05 range. It's like, oh, C-Web's back. It's like, is he? Um, but the fact that he actually played pretty well and they had Paul George together and you're like, oh, all right, this is, this isn't nothing. I don't trust that Kawhi is going to be there six months from now, but I went to the game on Saturday. Uh, I went to the Kings Clippers game. They didn't have Kawhi, they didn't have Paul George, they have Norm Powell. And they didn't have Luke Kennard. And it was just that they just got their asses kicked. And you're watching Kawhi and Paul George street clothes. And you're like, is this just what it's going to be the rest of the way? These guys where you never know what you're going to get. So I don't know. The fact that he came back, I thought was relatively interesting. And then Dallas is the other one. I did a power poll last week on this pod. I was talking about, I just, Dallas didn't seem right to me. They've done some stuff. Like they switched Hardaway and Bullock. Josh Green's coming on a little. They had... One big win. So now, now I feel dumb that I was like, all right, they got Luca. Like, don't at least take them a little seriously. So I, I apologize for last week, listeners. Um, but the West, you know, the the one team that we didn't get that I think we're counting on was Minnesota. 
I think we thought at least they'd be like a 48-win team. I don't think they're going to be that, right? Yeah, we still hated the trade, but I still thought they'd be good in the regular yeah, season. Yeah, I thought they'd be and a good regular season team. They might be worse than they actually are because they have the best clutch record right now in the NBA at 6-2, yeah. and two, which you're like, is that because you have all these guys I really trust? <laughs> you know, and it's probably not the answer. And last year they finished defensively, they were 13th. This year they're 16th. Like, how did that happen? Like, wait, like, I thought they would at least, because they stagger them. You know, they try to stagger Towns and Gobert. We know Towns is going to be out for a while. Um, I wish they could just hand the keys to Ant. That's not going to happen. D'Angelo Russell's, you know, it's his worst PR in eight years. It's better to watch. It's a guards right. league, and they probably have one of the five worst guards as a creator at the end of games that you would want. You yeah, know? And, Go, like, and Gobert's numbers are down, too, and it's the same shit. Like, it's yeah. wings driving, and Gobert's hands are up. It's like the kid who no one will call on in class. That's how he plays offense, just waving, and everyone going like, no, dude. Like, I'm not, I'm not, we're not doing this. And so... I didn't like any of it for the playoffs, but I felt like with Edwards and whatever they were going to try to find a way to do to 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 combine Towns and Gobert and then split yeah. them up and all this different stuff, like I don't know, I, I'd say the record may be disappointing. It might be even worse considering how well they've done in some of the close games. Agree. I also uh, can't overemphasize how unfun they are to watch. And you and I both love Edwards. I just don't like watching that team, all the pieces together. The body language is horrible. I would I say, like their bench guys better. Like I, <laughs> I I like some of the bench guys that come in. I go, I don't know, this this is a little bit more fun. A little Nas Reed action. Um that Atlanta versus Minnesota for worst body language this year, it's been just an epic Ollie Frazier like battle. <laughs> I think Atlanta <laughs> Atlanta's it's it's gone. Actually, let's take a break and we'll talk about Atlanta quick. And then I want to do uh, the Tatum Brown stuff. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new. Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. So Atlanta, we we have a tortured history discussing Trey Young on our podcast um, <laughs> where we just believed a certain thing. Then they made the Eastern finals. We were like, hey man, this guy, he came through. He got to hand it to him. And now it's kind of back to where we thought it would always be. And they're miserable to watch. They have the worst body language, I think, in the league. Um, Trey, even though he's put up 27 a game, is probably the least fun he's looked to play with in his career. And then they had this whole Nate McMillan thing. There was this athletic article. And did he send him home? Nate McMillan comes out. He was mad in a press conference about it. And then they go out and they lay an egg last night. And everybody on the team seems to be available for a trade except for Murray and Trey. And at some point, they have to start looking at Trey at least a tiny bit here. Maybe we're not at that point, but um, they just seem dysfunctional to me. And yet somehow they're three games over 500. I don't get it. I think the roster is really good. Yeah. Um, you know, Hunter feels like he looks a little different, meaning better, even though the numbers are kind of the same. Uh, Collins, I'm never 
been a huge fan of. They had a, I think it was the Philly loss where it was all the backups for Philly, which was hilarious because it was like those guys are playing 10 times harder than the stars for Philly. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, the beginning of the year, the Philly guys got off kind of to, a, I just thought an effort level that was kind of a bad start. And <laughs> you were correct. Yeah, right. And so like Doc <laughs> did a really good job. So Trey's coming over half court and they met him. They met him with a defender like right at half court. And it was two screens that were going to be set. So it wasn't like elbow screens. It was off to the side because they run this high picture. It's the same fucking thing they do all the time. It's not that hard to figure out. And Doc had the defenders on the screens like jump up. So they were extending all this pressure. And the whole point was they were going to destroy the first action, right? They're like, whatever you're going to try to do, we're going to position ourselves where you're going to have like, it's going to screw it up. And so Trey realized it because he's still a really smart player. And he's like, all right, let's reset this. Let's do it over. So they bring another guy back out, and now it's getting late in the shot clock. It's a huge moment. They do a good job on Trey. He gets it to John Collins. Collins drives, and the clock is like about to expire, and he passes it to somebody. It's just like out of bounds, whatever. It was a huge possession. <laughs> yeah. And I watched it all. They passed the ball the least of any team in the NBA. Trey Young, somehow with DeJounte Murray on the team, his usage rate has gone up. Like, if there was one bet I would have lost, I'd be like, well, that has to change a little bit. I thought they even brought in DeJounte not just to add to the talent bill, but to then go, hey, sometimes you don't always have to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, as far as him being, or you know, the the least fun to play with on all kinds, I think his early stuff was when it was really bad. It was the first time I noticed it. I remember going on Woj's pod four years ago where I went, Sometimes I'll see his team get a defensive rebound after he's taken a bad shot, and they don't give him the ball back when they bring it up. That doesn't happen anymore. He's a terrific yeah. passer. The shooting is down. But this story with McMillan, I just wonder when the strongest Trey, Trey Young defenders would be like, maybe it is our guy. Because this McMillan story was bad. He wanted Pierce out. He got him out. There's been hints at all this stuff that's happened. And it's a really talented team. And they're probably still going to be in the playoffs. I thought they were maybe the most disappointing team in the East last year other than Brooklyn. So this yeah. has been a carryover. That I'm just wondering, like, was the Philly thing just a fluke? Because that's what it feels like. And I don't know who Trey wants to be. You know, I just I would wonder how many guys that are his teammates are like, this is a lot of fun because it doesn't look like it's fun. Yeah, Philly just beats them in one of those games where they had the 25-point lead. We're probably discussing this differently, but I, I had the same problem with the Murray trade. Um, even though I liked it and I thought fundamentally what they gave up, it was a fair price. But it's one of those trades when you make it, you're fit your finished product, like what the Gobert was. You're make, when you're giving up that many assets for something, you're saying we have now arrived. This is this is now a team that has a chance to win the title. And I just the more I think about it, fundamentally. I'm not sure I'm cool with giving up all of those assets if I'm not guaranteed to be like one of the five teams that have a chance to win a title. Like when the Lakers did it for Davis, I thought they gave up way too much. But fundamentally, it was like, all right, now they have LeBron and Davis. They're one of the five best teams. I get it. This one, the Murray thing, we had questions about, all right, how's this going to work with Murray and Trey together? It was the one question, right? We both like Murray. But it's like, how is this going to work with them? Two guards who have the ball a lot. This will be weird. The Gobert thing, it's like, Go Baron Towns, like fundamentally, you and I just like we we like rejected that like a bad kidney. Like this doesn't make sense, and that's where I think teams get in trouble when they do these like these panic trades with all these assets. You know, where it's if you're if you don't know what you're getting, why are you doing the trade? If I'm giving up everything, which 
they didn't give up everything, but they gave up a big part of their future, right? And that trade could really come back to haunt them. To not really totally know how those two guys would mesh, that'd make me nervous. And I don't see any path for them to be one of the best three teams in the East. Boston, Milwaukee, of Cleveland, Philly, and uh, Brooklyn is kind of the talent wild cards. And then whatever the hell Miami is. And Atlanta's kind of there with Toronto and a couple other teams. But I'm with you. I think they're talented, but they're certainly not well coached. They don't seem like they like playing with each other. So what would make us think that this is going to turn around? I don't see it. And now, the weird John thing is, Co trading John Collins is going to solve it? I don't think so. No, I mean, he's been... People have been kicking the tires on John Collins for a really long time. Yeah, like, for two I, years. I, I think Miles Turner right now has has the lead of longest to be on the move or what's the market for. And John right. Collins is probably, you know, right there behind him. Uh, yeah, that's They're a fair. bad offense. Like, how are they bad on offense? This is a bad offense. And again, maybe it leads to, like, the Trey usage and then a shooting thing where it's a bit of an anomaly. Like, he's not going to be this bad of a shooter. But they've been better defensively. I like their bigs. I I think I do like. Do you see Hunter. how many Jimmy threes they make a game? I don't know. Nine point eight. The Celtics make sixteen. So no. you have this team that you would think like, oh, Trey and Trey and Murray. This team must be a good three point shooting team. Say, nah, actually they're not. They're thirty two point seven percent from three. They don't even make ten a game in two thousand twenty three. They're 28th in offensive efficiency in the fourth quarter. Like, that's that's reserved for the awful teams of young players. Yeah. Thing. Now, maybe, like, the offense has to get it. Like, look, A.J. Griffin, this has been fun because you go, hey, look, he went later than he went because he got hurt in high school. And at Duke, he stood in the corner because he had all these other ball handlers. But, man, if you watch him in high school and all these different things, like, you're seeing the full version of his game. Like, I didn't like Jalen Johnson at all. He looks like a guy that's got a little bit of shit, a little bit of shit to him now, where he's kind of accepting like this is going to be your NBA role. So do these things, play with big effort, be big out there. There's all Bogdanovich just came back, so I think the front office has done a really good job. I except for just, the herder trade, I hated the herder trade. Well, that one, yeah, that was a money saving thing, and now herder. No, whatever. You can't you can't just give away herder for like protected picks. That guy's right. a playoff player. Um, I'm not. I'm not for it. I'm just you know. I think for them to do the other things, that's why they did it. I get it. I don't know. So I was going to ask you later, but I'll just do it now. Because I've been messing around every week. I've been messing around with a trade value list because we want to run one at some point during the winter. How many guards under 30 would you take over Trey Young? If you, if, you, if you had a team, you could have them for like the next seven years, right? So I'm, I'm going to give you the list. Luca doesn't count. I'll just ask you one guy at a time. Would you take the guy over Trey? Devin Booker. Yes. John Morant. Yes. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes. All right. I have I have those three as well. When's this going to get hard? Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. All right. There's four. Tyrese Halliburton. Take Tyrese. I think people love playing with him. And there's also an element, too, that we haven't... I mean, Trey's going to hurt you defensively. Like, And he's expensive, too. All right, so there's five. I have the same five. Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. There's six. Um, so Garland in there, too. Oh, I, I'm getting those guys. I'd rather Desmond, have Garland. Well, I, I was going to give you Desmond Bain, Anthony Simons, and Darius Garland. 
Bane feels like the wrong answer. People are going to freak out. I don't want the leader of my team to be Trey Young. All right. There's, there you go. Done. So you would, you would take Bane over Trey? Fuck it. Yeah. That's wrong. It's the wrong answer. But I'm just. Yeah, it's it's the wrong answer if you're trying to sell jerseys and have fans. But if we're trying to win a title, not sure. I'm not sure it's the wrong answer. Simons, I would. I would. I think it's at least an argument now, him and Trey. Did you see that 45 point game he had against Utah? I I randomly watched that. He was not just awesome offensively, but defensively, he made like the two biggest plays of the game. And Simons, I went went on like a rabbit hole. I'm like, how does this guy go 24? And he's like, this first wave of these IMG guys, you know, that these guys that basically skip high school or skip like whatever college and nobody has any idea how to even evaluate them. And now this dude, they got him on a good contract. I was suspicious of the stats last year because it, it was a bad team, bad, good stats, bad team. This is not good stats, bad team stuff anymore. And this guy's like a legitimate guy. Him and Garland, I think I would, I would both maybe rather have over Trey. People are getting mad at this now. I don't care. I don't care. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Enjoy it. Have well, fun. How about this? Put together a couple months of really stable, good basketball with a happy team that I can watch on my television. Is that, a, is that too much to ask? You're the franchise how about this? guy. How about one leak that takes Trey's side and all this shit the last couple of years? Hmm. Um, Cade Cunningham would be the last one, but he's been hurt all year. But you love Cade. I love Cade. The shin thing is very concerning. Oh, you're at very you're not even concerned. You're very concerned. Well, yeah. I mean, not like he's not going to be good anymore. I'm just saying, like, for this year. And I don't like guys not playing. So would you take Alvarado over Trey Young? No. <laughs> would you take Alvarado over Oscar Robertson? Um I have Different a couple eras. I have a couple more uh is this real? Are we sure is for you? Could you make a case Sacramento is the sixth best team in the West? Phoenix, Golden State, New Orleans, Denver, Memphis. Is Sacramento the sixth best team? The sixth most reliable good team night to night right now? Say it again. Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State. New Orleans, Denver. So, so no Dallas. Giving you Sacramento over Dallas, the Clippers, and the Lakers, basically. This is hard. It's really struggling on this one. Can I make the case while you think about it? Answer your own question first and let me think about this. So I'm in person Saturday. What I really like is that they know what their rotation is. They know what their identity is. They know who they are completely. I was really impressed. I went with KOC. We And granted, the Clippers were terrible. But they know like Sabonis, this is a real guy that we need to involve in everything we do offensively. And everybody knows how to play off them now. They always have shooters. When the bench comes in, it's Monk and Mitchell. And they have a real identity. Who? Those guys, <laughs> my guy, my guy Malik, he finally happened. What's his name? Monk. Okay. What did I say? <laughs> He just for whatever reason you've had a hard time with his I'm name. A speech impediment. That, yeah, Mac yeah. Monk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, I think we all have certain guys, but yeah. I just, it's good to be back, man. Good to see you, Metu. You like I that like guy? Metu. <laughs> so, like always in the right place with his hands up. Terrence Davis, a little bit of a heat check guy. Um, but it's interesting because they can win different ways. Because they can win like Malik could just get hot one game right in the fourth quarter, take over a game. 
They can win with a little like Mitchell shutting down somebody's defender. They've had some games with Fox, who neither of us, I don't think, have really enjoyed that much over the years. But I think this year he's been good. And then they'll just have the random Sabonis destroy somebody game. And if Murray continues to get better, there's been signs of life. I think that team's going to be good. And I, I wonder, like, would they would they even go further and try to move Barnes in a pick and try to upgrade that one spot and really try to make a run at, like, a top five spot? I personally wouldn't if I were them, but I, at least, like, you, they're, if you're the Kings, you have a winning record, you're having these conversations. What about... All of it's positive. And yet you gave away Halliburton in that trade and that should haunt them, but it it, it doesn't because they're fun to watch and Sabonis matters. I went over this last week, but uh, what do you see from the Kings? I agree on a lot of this. Uh, the first thing you said, when I watch them, it's like, how about this? Like they play like they've been playing together for years, that this has yeah. been a three-year thing that's finally culminated in this. And it's like, well, that's not really what it is because the Herder piece is new. Sabonis is just there last year. Sabonis just helps the rebound. They're the best defensive rebounding team in the league. He can get you in and out a bunch of different things. I like and you. And he's a good passer, right? Really a, like his passing. He's a really good player. It's just that yeah. you were so shocked that somebody would get rid of a player. Like People don't get rid of people like Halliburton, and they don't get rid of them that early. And I can't wait to talk about the Pacers a little bit later. But I, I would allow myself to be at lunch with somebody from Sacramento going, hey, this is why we did, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you get that call and you're just going like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't care what you say or why you're justifying all these different things. I think at least for this, for how Sabonis fit in and not liking the trade, I can kind of get it. And it's made Fox better. Um, well, hold on. That's a key point because you could argue it took, in that trade, you have to factor in, it took whatever asset Fox was and made him more of an asset. Because for whatever reason, him and Halliburton didn't totally click and Sabonis has unleashed Fox. So now Fox is in a better spot. I'm not defending the trade, but I do think that has to be mentioned. There you go. Right. So uh, let's stop defending, sounding like we're defending a trade that we both still don't like because we both like Halliburton so I much. Love, yeah, it's tough. Herder is another level. And Mitchell is, you know, he's probably not more than a third guard on a really good team, which isn't, you know, the worst thing. But you see him get out there. He starts fighting with guys like he he hit a big shot. I don't know. It was a couple of weeks ago. And I was. Yeah, like, he's taking this shot. Like I kind of was like, I don't really it felt like a little early Marcus Smart stuff where you're like, what are you doing? Um, but sometimes that can be like, well, at least when he goes out there, he's not apologizing for it. And. They also play to the, I don't know if it's a Mike Brown being on the Golden State bench. You would have thought some of this, even though Mike Brown's known more as a defensive guy. And by the way, their defense has really improved these last yeah. few weeks from where it was at the beginning. They're playing through possessions. Like they're playing knowing, hey, keep moving, keep moving around, keep thinking about other guys at the end of the shot clock, as opposed to so many of these teams that just, and like, they, run they, off, they run right. off rebounds too, is the other thing. You're right. They get cheap points. So, we liked him before the season started. There's, there's been a, it feels like more of a correction on all the standings in general for how absurd it was the first couple of weeks, right? Like, yeah, but the there, we love their over under because I think it was 34 and a half. And we were just like, this is stupid. That team has too much talent. We thought I don't they know could go do. 500. Yeah, I don't know what to do with the Clippers. Portland's defense is, defense is falling off a fucking cliff. Dallas, to me, is average as hell. Golden State's going to end up being ahead of them. Uh, and then there's kind of that Portland window. So I think they're in that Portland kind of line, whatever that I is. I have them a notch up from Portland because I think Portland, 
had a couple fortunate wins. I think there's a world where you play this season again and Portland has four less wins, you know, and I think the, the Grant thing, you know, worst case scenario, they can decide, oh, we're going to be the 10th team. They could probably flip Grant and get something better than what they gave up. They got to figure out the sharp thing. I, I think, you know, I know, I know you were really fascinated by the draft last June. Um, sharp and Daniels were, I think, two of the most compelling guys in the draft. Like, what are these guys? What are the, both of these guys have really shown stuff. And I think Sharp specifically, I think he has to play. And I don't know how they reconcile that with like, how good do you want to be this year? But I think he has to be on the floor. I, that was, I mean, Mike Schmitz goes there and he loves Sharp and, you know, what? I don't think people were shocked when they took him, but, you know, that could be, that if you did the redraft, he might be in the top four, you know? So I, I would just want to get him out there. I also... How many okay, times but, but can Dane be that, hurt now? On that, though, oh, okay, all right, perfect transition. Can you do that to Lillard? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he... It's tough because he's the one guy who's like, I don't want this moving around stuff. I don't care about this big three stuff. I want to win a title in Portland. If you can get Dane to see, like, hey, sharp two years from now, this guy might be special. We got to get him some time now. Think about when you were a rookie. Maybe, maybe he'll go for it. I, I don't know what to make of Portland. Portland's one of those teams, like OKC is another one where you could tell me OKC's final record is 20 and 62. And you could tell me it's 39 and 43. And I would believe either, right? Because if Shea's going to be this good night tonight, how many times can Shea be the best guy in a game that has really good guys in the game before we're like, all right, this is now one of the 12 best guys in the league. Like they're 11 and 13. They haven't had Holmgren all year. They have this hodgepodge, weird, long team that really doesn't make a ton of sense. And just over and over again, he's the best guy in the game. And at some point, that's just kind of who you are. And I think that might be like a 35-win team. Yeah, the crazy thing about Jay is when you see him in person, his movement on the court stands out. It just looks a little yeah. bit different than everybody It's else. like Rondo, Rondo-ish. It's just kind of weird. It's also kind of slow at times, yeah. like Doncic. So he's almost like Doncic with the angles and then the drives, but then without the size. So then it's like, well, how does he constantly get all these shots up the whole time? He is so good at where all the bodies are finding the way to get the ball out. Like he'll, it's not the wrong foot layup stuff that Nash, you know, which is really just brilliant. I don't know. It's the herky jerky. It's, it's this. It's, it's like just, a running he, back. He's got it all down where he's going to get past you, and then when he's there amongst the trees, and you think you have him, you don't have him. And then if you sell out to have them, like you're seeing some teams do more and more, like they're starting to build an SGA wall with some of this stuff. Yeah. Well, that actually makes it more fun for your teammates because you're like, okay, well, if I cut or if I move or I reposition on the three-point line, like watching them in the Atlanta game, there's another game recently, I don't know, I was watching them and I just, I feel like I get what they're trying to do even if you're you're shocked when they win still. Mm. He's that guy that in pickup, you just hated guarding. Where you go, I got him. I got him. No, no, I don't need help. I got him. And then he does like this herky-jerky thing and he's by you again. And you're like, I don't understand. I I knew what he was going to do and he still went by me. I don't understand Dude, what just there's, happened. There's All he did huge... was he, he turned to the right for a split second and I went flying the other way and that was it. There's this huge Mexican guy I keep getting matched up against. He's enormous. He's, his, his torso's huge. He's shorter than me. He's not yeah. quick. It's none of that. And I always have to play center now. And You're I, center now? You like a stretch five? 
I don't know what the hell's going on, but <laughs> I, I'm sitting there and I know everything he's going to do and he, and he gets a shot off and he's just, he's the Mexican out of shape SGA. God. Great guy. Though. Um, Let's take a break and we got to talk Tatum and Brown. It's time. We waited how many minutes? Almost 40 minutes. This is fair. Notice we didn't lead with this segment. We probably should have because I think it's the biggest story in the league, but people are going to say I'm a homer or whatever. I accept it. Tatum and Brown, watching last night, that Toronto game, which was my favorite Celtics win of the year so far. Third game in four nights. Also third game in four nights for Toronto, to be fair. No Horford, no Brogdon. They played overtime against Miami on Friday night, which was really like a playoff game, especially for Miami. Miami needed it. Sunday, Brooklyn. Brooklyn kept coming at them. They put them away. And then they go to Toronto, and it just feels like a loss. This is one of those, oh, Horford's not playing. Brogdon's not playing. Toronto's annoying. This'll, they'll keep it close. Toronto put it away in the second half. So Toronto's up six at halftime. Celtics come out in third quarter. And they play the hardest they've played all year. Tatum, Smart, Brown, Derek White. They're just like imposing their will on Toronto for like nine straight minutes. They end up they they end up winning the game. Toronto comes back a little. You knew they would. They end up winning the game. Blake Griffin plays. It was just so impressive. And it got me thinking like how special this Tatum-Brown thing is. And how I actually think people aren't focused on it enough. Where... These guys, now granted, the stats are a little skewed, right? There's more offense, I get it. They're averaging 57.5 points a game together. And when you put that in context of like Shaq and Kobe in 2001, right? That's like the gold standard of two guys scoring a lot of points who were fucking awesome. Shaq and Kobe were 57.2. They don't even have as much as Tatum and Brown this year. Bird and McHale at 87, 54.2. Duran and Curry, 53.3. LeBron and Wade in 2011, 52.2. KD and Russ in 16, 51.7. LeBron and Kyrie, 51.6. So you have like this offensive bonanza of these guys. They've scored 30 plus in the same game 16 times already this season, which is the third most time in the history of the league. Tatum's clearly a first-team All-NBA. I think Jalen is, at least right now, a second-team All-NBA guy. These guys are the guys that we thought Paul George and Kawhi were going to be when they went to the Clippers. We're like, oh my God, those two guys, imagine having those two wings, two of the best players in the league. What's that going to be like? The fucking Celtics have it. They had it last year. They have a better version of it this year. And I I still don't feel like people think of them totally that way. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm just too immersed in the season. But do you think people understand what's happening historically with these two guys? No, because uh, I didn't know it. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I watch them all. Like, for me, every time I watch them and going into this year, it's like whenever you put a ceiling on either one of these dudes, they come back the next year and they go through it. And that, we always talk about, okay, how many guys can really be the number one guy on a championship winning team? Okay. Yeah. How many guys? Because that is like the rarefied air. There's nothing beyond that. And that list to me is never 10 people. Okay. It's closer to five most years than it would be to 10. It's usually four to seven. Yeah, right. I totally agree. And at first, it's like, man, Tatum's pretty good. Oh, wow, this guy could be an all-star. Okay, but is he really this? And then last year, there was this flirtation with like, is he a top five guy? And I'm like, is he? And then after like they bounce KD out, it's like, oh, he gets KD's belt. 
you could see from the jump that this year was going to be different because the one thing we didn't like about him in the finals was that he wasn't driving to contact well. Like he was getting derailed off of his path. We talked about it. You could see that he and Hanlon, like they fixed from it. the first game, I went, okay. He had a play against the Nets this weekend, Bill, where he drove left and finished through two people because and it had to reverse it to get through two defenders to get rid of it. Then comes down, has Durant, isolation top of the key strips him yeah and you're just like is it like i don't say this it t- it takes t- it like it has to be a couple years before i can say you know what the celtics have a player in jason tatum who can be the best player on a championship team and that is and maybe the best player in the league yeah right, I think that's that, the journey for him and the thing that's changed is how hard these guys play game to game, half to half, quarter to quarter now, and how hard Tatum plays on defense, right? That's why when he wasn't good in the Miami game on Friday, right? He just didn't have it. It happens. It stood out so glaringly because he's been so awesome all season. It was like, wow. It was like watching like when Bird didn't have it in the mid-80s. Like, whoa, what happened to Tatum? Is he sick? Because you're just so used to like this certain level. There's a competitiveness with these guys that is really special and I think stems from the finals. And the Miami series too, but really the finals and the fact that they got their ass kicked. And I think these guys, they just really want it. They want it. They want to get to the top and you could feel it game to game. And like these 82 game regular seasons, it's not like the big games. It's not like the ABC Warriors showdown, Curry versus Tatum. Those aren't the games that tell you whether a team is potentially great. It's the games like that Toronto game where it's like, all right, you guys could punt on this game. You'd be fine. You'd be totally within your wherewithal. It's third game, four nights. You're tired. Tatum's playing 37, 38 minutes a game. I get it. Tatum Golden played 39 State probably, minutes. Golden State probably punts on that game. 100%. You know, they, they have the resumes. They're older. They're over it. Like Tatum and Brown are at that perfect age. And Tatum, or excuse me, back to the Brown part of it. Yeah, we got to like, talk the Brown part too because it's so important to this. Clearly, there's a gap. His shot making, I don't know if the handle's better. Like, it, w- it was pretty glaring against Miami, and then it felt like when everybody was was really focusing in on, like, I don't know if this guy can go more than two dribbles on any kind of drive, so make sure you attack him, and it felt like it was just getting worse and worse and worse. But the shot-making from him and the intensity, the shots that he was hitting again last night against Toronto, like, yeah, Tatum's a better player, but there, when there are nights where Brown is the better player, it's not surprising. And once again, whenever I thought, okay, Brown probably at best can be this. At best, this is like four straight years with Brown where – I'm going to stop pretending I ever know what the best version of him is going to be because he shattered expectations every season. Yeah, there's this narrative where now people are like, you know, people wanted to trade one of these guys. It's like, no, did they? Like, the dumb people wanted to do it. I don't don't know if that was ever a real narrative. They're both two young guys that had a different point guard every year. Wait, now people were getting to the point where it was like, maybe you have to split these guys up because it's not working. Did you feel that way? I, I never felt like I that just January wanted to see stretch, them with a veteran no, team. I'll, I never said it has to happen because I'm never, I feel like I'm never that guy. Like, hey, you have these yeah. two really good players and the league is built around wings right now and now you want to move on from them. But when it was January at its bleakest point of last season, when it still is one of the greatest turnarounds we've ever seen in season. Smart taking, taking shots. Yeah, well, it was I the get Knicks it. game and I'm yeah. like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And they weren't fun to watch again. And yep. so then when they went on a little bit of a tear, the schedule is easy. The only time I'd ever said it was in that January phase. I'm like, we're doing this again. And so I was like, all right, you know, maybe have the conversation. But never, 
I just don't like when we kind of demand trades publicly in the media because it's like, all right, but what do you think you're getting? What What's coming back? Oh, this thing's coming back that I don't want as much? Okay, I don't want to do this. It, it was right. never you're getting died. DeAndre Hunter and Bojan Bogdanovic yeah. but for I do think it was. Brown? I think it was local. I think in Boston, man, it was kind of... I know, but that's, that's local Boston stuff, though. I know. I, I'm not saying it wasn't a conversation. I'm just saying it wasn't a conversation with anyone that I knew in a real way that was like a smart conversation because these guys were young. Tatum was 23 last year to, to be like, oh, these guys can't play together because they had Kyrie and Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart. And like, I, I don't know. I just, we owe, you and I always said, what would happen if Chris Paul was on this team? Would they figure it out? And then the answer, of course, was yes. And then the sub answer is, well, you could say that about any team Chris Paul's on. But we knew that there were pieces there that this should make sense as a combo. Now it makes sense. I felt Jay- like Smart, by the way, last year was a big part of the success story, not because of the defense, because I think he finally accepted like, yeah, I guess these guys are better than me. You're right. Jalen, 27 points, 7 and 4, 50% field goal. 30.9% usage. And then Tatum is 31, 8, and 4. And he's 32%, 32.7% usage. It's getting the line 8.3 times a game, which you know I love. I've always wanted him to be in the eights. Averaging 9.43s, 48% shooting. What I love is that neither of them have like crazy high usage, right? They get their shots. They'll be between like 15 and 24 shots a game, but it's never like clear out. There's not a lot of clear out stuff. The ball seems to move. And then the other thing that's really helped them is their guards on this team are just excellent. And you go from like where they were a couple of years ago to at Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon, when he's on the court, when he's healthy, like I was watching that Miami game Friday. I, I'm afraid to say this publicly, but I'm going to do it anyway. I was texting with my dad. And I was like, I think Brogdon should have played crunch time in that Miami game over Smart. As much as I love Smart, I just like when Brogdon... When he's good, he presents this whole different level of problems for the other team because he can go by anybody and he's a dead-eye three-pointer. He's shooting 50% from three. It's just weird to be like, yeah, we don't need this guy in this crunch time game. But their guard... I, I don't think that's that playing, weird. I, okay, I mean, it, it'd be weird to do it to Smart, but... They wouldn't. Brogdon, the, Smart's too important, but Brogdon should have been closing in that Miami game. And then Derek White's playing his ass off. They got Pritchard, who barely plays... So there's always guards. There's always movement. They always know what to do off fast breaks. They're rebounding well enough. And then the Hauser thing has been the other piece that they can put Hauser with one of the two guys. The lineups with Hauser are fucking bonkers, right? The plus minus stuff. So they just have this guy in the corner now who you have to guard, which opens up all this space. So And um, nobody realizes that he actually holds up okay as a defender. So whenever a new team gets him... I know. It's so funny. And by the way, I mean, obviously it's because it's a white guy, but like it was yeah. happening to AJ Green the other night or Aaron, you know, it was Aaron Green, excuse me, uh, from Milwaukee got in the game. And it was like, yeah. hey, new guy, we got a ginger in here. <laughs> Fresh and- fish. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Uh, your, your favorite is when teams attack guys who are way better defenders than the teams realize because obviously they didn't scout the guy correctly. Hauser's definitely, Hauser's not, you know, Kevin McHale. But he's not terrible, and he kind of knows where to go and what to do, and he get his hands up. Like, he's not a disaster. Yeah, sometimes that'll happen with the Celtics, where it's like, wait, you switched into this? You wanted this over what you had? Like, I think teams get so incredibly screen-happy yeah. that there'll be dumber teams that 
He's like, all we've been doing is screen and then start the offense. It's like, no, you had the matchup you wanted. What, right. Why did you, why did you switch into something that's way worse for you? And I, I think it's kind of a habit thing. Though. But Boston, by the way, the other crazy part of this is the defense is average and they're 20 and five. And yeah. it's probably going to get better. And the half court offense, according to cleaning the glass, is the number one half court offense. They were 10th in that last season. And you can see it. The, the connectivity with these dudes. Like the possession, there's just so many different ways they can attack you. And then when you try to switch, when you try to like other than, you know, some of the lesser guys in the rotation, it, switching, getting the Celtics to switch isn't always like, oh, cool. Now, now I have this. Like switching. Now I have, Ma- to, now I have Malcolm Brockton. Great. Right. Now or, I have to cool. go at him. I, I have Grant Williams on me. Like, yeah. wait, did I want this? And so it's a scary team, man. And they're better. They're just better than they were last year for yeah, a bunch it's of different not reasons. Like a- it's not a fluke hot start team. Their offensive rating is still 120. Their true shooting, which is stat I don't love, but anytime it's over 60, you have to pay attention. It's 62.7. Tatum's They're, over 60 this year. Yeah. They're almost 50, 40, 85 for splits. 49.4 field goal, 40.2, 3.84% free throw. They have five guys in the top 17 for three-point percentage. Tatum's on off stats. He's 13.6. Um, Grandy had a couple good stats. Grandy said through 25 games, Boston has been down 10 plus points for 67 of the 1,215 minutes. And 55 of those minutes were the two Chicago games. Um, in their last 60 games, they're 48 and 12, according to Grandy, plus 12.1 scoring margin. They're 24 and 7 on the road, which is another thing with this team. This team loves playing on the road as long as it's not Chicago with Mark Davis. And then I thought this was interesting. Tatum's. <laughs> Tatum's worst three games this year. He doesn't play against Washington. DMP, Jalen has 36. The Miami game Friday night, he's five for 18. He's terrible. Jalen has 37. The New Orleans game, he's bad in that game. He's six for 18. Jalen puts up a 27-10-7. These guys have a knack for if one guy kind of sucks, the other guy gets better. It's like they, I, they're attuned with each other. And, a, and I, I think they're all in on each other. Like I think those guys love each other. They're all in. And they want to win a title together. So I, I would say through the 25 game mark, this could not have gone better from where it was in June, where it's like, Jesus Christ, like what is this team? Did, was this too soon? Is that, did that finals, is it going to break Tatum? What, like, did they, did the Miami Golden State figure out some way to stop this? Like I, I was in dark places in July and now it's fine. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Does Ainge deserve more credit? Oh, I love this. This is a great coming up next. I'm going to tell you who deserves all the credit for the Celtics turnaround, and he's not with the team. That's, <laughs> and that's he might my... be in Salt Lake. Uh, I think Ainge does deserve a ton of credit. I mean, more for being patient with those two guys when everybody was trying to trade Jalen Remember for Paul George that one year we had that and smart. I think Ainge I w- wanted I, to trade him for Paul George. By the yeah, way, yeah, but Paul yeah, George right. wasn't going to stay. So. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe it was Paul George didn't want that trade. No, I think he drafted really well, and even like somebody like Pritchard, that guy's an NBA player. Rob Williams, Grant Williams, these guys are NBA players. Did a good job. I that's what I you, never. That's what I never understood about it. Like when you're thinking about the most important things, like okay, you're a parent. Yeah, right. I am. Like if your kid gets a full ride to Harvard, but 
he also leaves the hose on. Like those aren't the same things. It's not one good thing and one bad thing. So AC Earl doesn't equate to the Jalen Brown pick. <laughs> AC Earl, not AC Earl. Uh, who who like, is the what guy? The fuck? So my point would that, be this: like, yeah, Ro- Romeo Langford, huge whiff. I didn't get the pick either at the time. It's not going to be good. Ainge moved out of the number one pick when everyone was going to take faults mm. and grabbed another pick and and got Tatum. Okay, that's that's getting a full ride to Harvard. Taking Langford, maybe it's more than, you know, leaving the hose on. But I, I just never understood why it was like a one for one for every argument about Ainge. Where yeah, all right, he had some misses. Maybe he had some more than you should have. Usually they were a little bit later. Also, the Kyrie but, trade was totally defensible, and in retrospect, a really good trade for a superstar for what they gave up. For what they gave up, yeah, they gave up the eighth pick in the draft and a bunch of stuff. Zizic, seeing there too. By the way, when I said AC Earl, I meant Fab Mello. It would have been so much funnier if I had pulled off the if I had landed the Fab Mello plane joke. Rest and in so peace. For some reason, I got AC Earl and Fab Mello. I got my terrible center draft picks confused. I kind of understand how you did it, but then I thought, was there a joke that I'm not understanding here? I just, I don't know how many other guys would have done that. And he did it for now somebody who is a top five player in the NBA. Like he did it for a top five player in the NBA. That, that to me is where like, I don't care if you fuck up 10 more picks in the twenties. Yeah. That's what I think the math is on that. All NBA first team. I asked you to make your, to do your top two teams. So granted, we're only 25, 24, 25 games in this season. This is not a reflection of how this season is going to play out. Just like it's a nice snapshot for, all right, who are the 10, 12 guys that have mattered the most so far? I had my first team, Davis, Tatum, Giannis, Curry, Booker as my five. Did you have the same five? Okay, say it again. I was not ready. Davis, Tatum, Giannis, Curry, Booker. And then my second team, Jokic, Jalen Brown, Durant, SGA, and Luka. And those are my top two teams. And I think those are completely 100,000% defensible. There's a Ja Morant, how does he not get on one of those two teams question that you just have to tell me who's he bumping between Curry and Booker and SGA and Luka and uh, I'll wait. Okay. I did three teams just to to see, like, take myself through the exercise. I have a third team as well. Okay. I had Luca over Booker. If you want to tell me that it's Booker because the team is better, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. But, you know, Luca's, Luca's doing insane shit. But, like, Booker's been on a tear, too. To me, it's a coin toss. So I had... I had Booker. It's, I think it's a coin toss. I right. just I went I went with the wins, and because uh, there was some really bad body language Dallas games this year that I didn't like. I don't really that's like it. Dallas all that much. I'm not Me that interested in watching him play anymore. By the way, that's on brand for us. We didn't like the Harden Rockets. We didn't like the Westbrook OKC. We don't like the 39 percent usage rate. Everybody stands around teams. So to say that we would then like it with Luca would be insane. I think he's a brilliant player, but I I don't really enjoy watching the maps. I don't think that's a hot take. Isolation stats are always like a little tricky in the way they're tracked. But if you try to find all that stuff, they'll tell you that. And I think it becomes a finishing thing, like how many how many possessions are true isolation. Nobody else touches the ball, and you finish in isolation. And yeah, I think they end up with like forty percent more 
true isolation plays than the next best team. The Luka part that was fun is is his ability to do everything, like those Clippers series, right? That he could do. Yeah. But over the course of a regular season game, even though the numbers are great, like I already know, like I already know what a Dallas game is. Like I actually don't have to watch Dallas games. I'd be like, oh. I feel I feel the exact same way. I I watched recently just because I wanted to see Josh Green again. For the most part, I get it. They're going to play really slow. Um, he's going to have the ball a ton. What does he have the ball? Ten minutes a game? Was it? Was that sad? It's like ten point two minutes a game. Luca just has the ball out of the forty eight minutes. It's something like twenty five percent of the game he has the ball. So anyway, I, I think the Booker thing's defensible. So you have AD, Tatum, Giannis, Curry, and Luca. As your first team, I have AD, Tatum, Giannis, Steph, Luca. Okay, so what's your second team? Because I had Jokic, Jalen, Durant, SGA, and Luca, but you probably have Booker in the Luca spot. I have Booker in the Luca spot again. It's a complete coin toss. Um, Yeah, I have SGA. I thought about Ja. I thought about Mitchell. Hey, those teams are both better than than SGA right now. But like this SGA tear is kind of another level. Uh, although Mitchell at the beginning of the year, you know what I mean? Like I really didn't want to leave because I just feel like Mitchell was my 16th guy last year. Yeah. But again, for the votes that matter. So none of this matters right now. KD clearly, when you watch KD and see how other teams sell out to stop him, yeah, like, it's really fun seeing what he, it's like, okay, cool. Like there are teams that go crazy trying to stop him with double teams, just ignoring somebody else. And he's still putting up these kinds of numbers. And also not, just not, Forget about the off the court stuff with Kyrie. It just doesn't seem on the court Kyrie is the same guy anymore. He's more likely to go seven for twenty one in a game than he is to go fourteen for twenty. Yeah, he's not taking ten days off in between games. Like last yeah. year when he's going on that scoring run, nobody's pointing out and be like, actually, do you know how amazing it would be to have to play once every ten games? How fresh oh, you would be. I want to talk about this quick and then we'll go back to the second team. I'm so fascinated by what they're doing with the Blake Griffin thing. It's like my favorite random strategy of the year where he just plays once a week for 25 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes, like you're doing a run in Manhattan Beach. It's like, where's your run? It's on Tuesdays. <laughs> oh, really? Who are you playing with? The Celtics. Yeah, I play a little backup center for them. Oh, cool. Then what, what do you do the other days? Yeah, the you Celtics? Know, I just rest my that- knees. Yeah, yeah the, Celt- the, the professional team? Yeah. Then the other days, I just, you know, I, I just work on my knees and just do conditioning and then you know, then Al Horford, sometimes he doesn't play, so they'll need me. And then I have a couple, uh, I, I, have, I have a couple of younger guys in Boston. Like, do you have any connect with him? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Blake like, Griffin? Do, do you just want to blindly text him and say, <laughs> what's up? What's up, I'm Blake? Like, like I Yo. can't do that. I can't, I can't yeah. make that connection happen. And they were kind of like, no, no, if he like wants to go out or if he wants to hang out or whatever. And these are like, these are good Probably guys to hang to out with. Yeah. Yeah. So, I was like, are you are you doing this because of his schedule? You're right. <laughs> yeah, Thursdays he's off. He's but like, that, I think he's probably not playing tomorrow. Well, Dallas should do this with Kemba. Like Kemba, if you're, you're expecting Kemba to play three days a week, good luck. But if he's once a week, 25 minutes a game, it's like Kemba early in the week, every week, you're going to be our, you know, our third guard. We're going to play 25 minutes. Just be ready for that game. It'll actually be pretty good. Anyway, back to the second team. So you have... So yeah, I've got Booker, SGA, KD, AD, and then um, the forwards are going to be weird this year. And I think the Jalen thing was last year, we was a two-guard. He's still listed as a guard on some of the stuff, but he, you're right, he's a forward. Yeah. He's, so he's the pick. He's the pick over Zion. He's the pick over LeBron. 
Um, DeRozan's going to have a case here. Like, if you start looking at the third team stuff, it feel, feels DeRozan. like DeRozan. No, I'm DeRozan? talking third team. There's a guy you haven't mentioned yet. The guy in Utah. No, the I worked on marketing on others. The guy that we've had some stock from from the past. I think marketing. I had for third team. I sold mine. You sold it. Yeah. Embiid, Zion, either marketing or LeBron. And it'll be LeBron the more games he plays. And then Ja and Halliburton over Mitchell. But I think Halliburton versus Mitchell is a, is a battle. Anyway, this... Okay, but, the, but hold on. One other forward, though. If Pascal keeps playing this year the way he's playing... Yeah, he missed some games. That's the only reason I had He's already off. missed 10 games. That's why I'm yeah. not bringing him up. Um, ja... I also... I, I got to say, I wrote down Mobley. Because... Catino? The, <laughs> the stuff Mobley's doing as a two-way guy, I think, has to... You know, if that team ends up winning 55 games, he'll be one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason. So, um, and I think he'll he'll go up as it rises. I don't think he's a third team NBA guy, but I think he's. I had like Bam, Mobley, Mitchell, Fox, Sabonis, LeBron, Simons, like a bu- bunch of those guys. He's at least in that group. If I had to do a third team today, Bam would be the center only because Embiid's missed the eight over games. Embiid. Yeah. Okay. But that's because no, Embiid's missed eight games. If, if Embiid's missed four, you know, whatever. Well, but. you'll be happy to know that I went through. Let's assume this holds. You never know. But Tatum ends up being a first-team guy and Jalen's the second time. How many times this has happened this century? Same team, first team, second team, two guys. LeBron and AD, Curry and KD, Curry and Draymond in 2016. I forgot that one. Russ and KD a couple times. CP3 and Blake a couple times. True or false? Kobe and Andrew Bynum? True. Yeah, true. LeBron and Wade. Kobe and Gasol. Kobe and Gasol. Shaq and Wade. KG and Sam Cassell. And then Shaq and Kobe. So it's only happened 11 times. And Shaq and Kobe had two, both were on the first team, which is just iconic. I mean... They were there was three years there where they were two of the best three guys in the league at the same time on the same team. Um, but that'd anyway, be a so, good that'd be a good thing if how many times like ranking the champions based on how high their cumulative top three guys were in comparison to the rest of the league. Well, like Bird and McHale in the '86 title, I think by the end of that season, McHale was like the fourth best guy in the league, right? So yeah, two that's of the what top I'm saying. Four, yeah, like, big three. But for the title winning teams, what I don't need is oh, I, I did you. this. I did this rant years ago on the big three content. I go like at some point when it's a Pacers team with thirty wins, we don't need to know who their big three are. Although fair, although, although they do have one this year. Did you watch Nemhart last night? I did. did. You have a chance to? Did you see Carlisle after the game where he called out hoops hype? He said if there was a hoops hype redraft, he would have gone in the top fifteen. But now it's got to be top ten. Carlisle, who never says anything. He never says anything. Like, literally has never had an interesting soundbite in his life. That was like the most interesting thing he's ever said. But yeah, not, where did this guy... So was it, were you focused on him in the draft? I remember Nemhard? watching him at, at the Combine. And I mean, look, he, Florida, he was good. He goes to Gonzaga. And then he's at the Combine. And the thing that was really telling was that he was making these great passes. Everybody kept fucking it up. Hmm. So that might be the new thing is who's really good at the combine who nobody does any of these finishes. I think a part of it's a body type thing. He's not the fastest guy. He 
destroyed Golden State last night. Like it was a perfect game. He did everything well, right. And they were all big buckets too on top of it. Cause you kept going, hey, Golden State's gonna win this game. They're gonna figure it out. No Albert, no Turner. Nemhart, you know, LeBron, I don't I was kind of unfair, I thought, when I posted this video of LeBron losing Nemhart entirely on that game where I thought a week it was ago. fair. I like I it. know, I know you did. Because I think he kind of closed out and what was the easier thing to do? Because it's way easier. Yeah. And then he still tried to close out and catch. But like if LeBron kind of forgot who Nemhart was. I don't yeah. know that I can entirely blame him. Right. He, I wish, look, there's no Pacers Golden State game that's going to be the TNT prime timer. It's not going to be a Saturday ABC game. I wish more people could have seen what he did last night because it was, it was fucking special. And well, the it, Pacers it, it, got something. It was two things. One is it made me rethink the Indiana thing and what they should do this year and just what they have asset-wise. The other thing is it was pretty alarming if you're Golden State that there's a specific type of player that you just can't defend because that it's not just Nemhard. There's other guys that can do stuff like that. And I think if you're looking at them for playoffs this year, there's a certain type of guard that I think can get whatever they want against Golden State. And that's, that's what I think they need to figure out because they have trade assets that to me, they make the most Caruso sense of any team, but they, they need somebody like that for those moments where it's like, we can't stop this guy. I think they thought Moody was going to be the guy for them with those, potentially. It's not happening. Moody's been bad. No, so, and Clay's, Clay's hit or miss in certain games. Yeah, like, it's not happening in 2023, him guarding somebody like that anymore. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm just talking yeah. like bigger picture of the whole thing. I think the yeah. biggest Golden State issue has been all the young guys collectively. Like I thought one would pop and it's Right, like, they wait. went 0 for 4. Yeah, is Anthony Lamb going to be the best? Shout Jesus. out to UVM. Uh, did you or I ordered you a shirt? Are you still a medium? Pacers basketball makes me Nemhart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take one more break. I want to talk Indiana quick, and then we got to do Anthony Davis, or else the Laker fans will get mad at us. All right, quickly on Indiana. So I was messing around at the trade value list. And Hal Burton's now in the top 20. They have one rookie, 41, your guy, who you were touting big time. Nemhart's got to be honorable mention now. They have Heald and Turner, who are at least something, whether they want to spin those guys or make those guys part of their rotation. Um, kind of like their bench. Like To me, it's like I, I actually wouldn't do the Heald-Turner trade. I might go the other way and try to add somebody and try to get like a six or a seven seed in the weird East because I have good guards. I want them to be in good games and get experience. I like Indiana is my point. I think Utah, you can make the case Utah should actually go the other way because I don't really see a future for them. I would, I think their guys have real value. Like Conley, I think has real value. I think Olenek could really help somebody if they wanted to trade Clarkson. I think they could get something really good for him, but Indiana is like younger and, and I just, I would not go for Wemby if I were them. I would actually try to be good. What would you do? Let's go back two years ago to the over-unders. When we came to the Pacers, I go, if there was one rule that you would talk about in NBA circles uh, with, with guys about coaching, like all those years where the Mavs weren't that talented, you'd be like, look at Rick Carlisle again. Look at this yeah. team. Like fighting, hanging around. They're going to be in the playoffs. Like he's, he's got this team that's competitive. You're like, how is he doing it? And multiple, multiple NBA people would be like, man, fucking Rick Carlisle can coach. So when we did mm. it last year, I was like, oh, I'm taking the over. The team doesn't look like it's going to be that good. 
give me give me the Rick Carlisle factor. They went twenty five and fifty seven. So going into this year, I'm like, okay, well, you know, how good are they actually going to be? And it's it's been like they haven't had Duarte the whole time. Uh, yeah, what happened the guys, to him? It's just hurt. Yeah, Duarte, if you threw him in this too, now all of a sudden they could do a whole bunch of small ball stuff. I'm with you on Carlisle. It's it it always seemed inconceivable that he was just gonna sit there for four years and tank every year, but last year they were really bad. Now I don't know. I think they're fun to watch. If you're comparing them to the other teams in the East, I don't know. You go go like Washington, Atlanta, like all the teams in that group. I don't really feel like they're much better or much worse. I'll be interested to see what they do. They also have guys like Turner's in a contract year, you know. Turner's gonna be playing really hard down the stretch. He will this will be the best version we've ever had of him January to April. So I like um, that. Too. One one quick thing on Turner. Depending on where this goes, because if the Pacers ended up being like, hey, they're actually hanging, barely hanging on for the playing game as much as we like so much of this team. But again, we like so much of it based on what the expectations were, right? That's not going to be surprising. Turner's defense on Jokic this year in that hmm. game, I, I think I imagine it's just the one time they've played. Well, whatever it was the one I watched, it was so impressive. I don't yeah. know if he was mad at him. I don't know if he was trying to increase his trade value, but it was so good. And I'm just talking like the effort of making things hard. Cause like at the end of the day, like when you were like, Hey, he does a pretty good job against Giannis. You're like, Hey, 30 and 17. It's like, okay. Yeah. But like all these guys still end up getting their numbers. It's how much effort it's like the pitch count thing. Like, okay. Did you throw a hundred easy ones or 80 brutal ones where it was high leverage situations the entire time? Like, yeah, it's not the same. So that's what you have to do. The star players just make them work a little bit more. It made me think that depending on how the Pacers go, if you're a playoff team that maybe doesn't like their matchup with Denver, that's the kind of defense that Jokic, or at least uh, Turner played on Jokic for one night. Well, I mean, that would be Golden State. Out of anybody. They have the contracts that match them, all that stuff. I'm with you. Yeah, if I'm Indiana, I'm 13 and 11. I already have, I have a seven and a half game lead on Detroit. I have a six game lead on Charlotte and I have an eight and a half game lead on Orlando. And that's before we get into um, four ga- uh, three and a half games out of Chicago, two ahead of New York, I'm two ahead of Washington. I don't see a roadmap for them being one of the worst three teams in the conference at this point, unless like they just benched Halliburton right now. I just think they're, they're probably like around a 500 team. So if that's the case, maybe, uh, maybe spruce it up. All right, let's talk AD. I have a hot take. This is kind of why they traded all the picks for AD. Everybody's celebrated the AD resurgence the last two weeks. Didn't they give away like a hundred first round picks and lottery <laughs> picks for this guy? <laughs> Didn't he make the all NBA top 75? Like, I mean, he's been awesome. And I'm like psyched that we have another great NBA player again. But People are acting like he's like Lazarus rising from the dead. It's like, guy's 29. It's kind of what we wanted. I think it said more about how much he had fallen as an asset to all of us that we were just like, what is this guy? What's happening? Now he's like around the rim. They figured out how to unleash him. So on the one hand, it's like, this is great. They, they reignited Davis. We have another great basketball player. On the other hand, I'm like, where the fuck was this the last two years? So 
I, I, I'm pretty conflicted about it. And also, they played a shitty schedule. So I, can he stay healthy oh, for a month? Here we go. Can he play? Right. Can he stay healthy for a month? One month. Let's see it for a month. What do you I got? I feel like I feel like you found a way to make something amazing negative. Okay, fair. Because let's face it: if you had a draft, everyone you're most worried when they fall down, he's the number one pick. The entire league. Well, let and me think about this. Hold on. Who are my other candidates? Pick? Yeah. Other candidates, Bull Bull. <laughs> no, Embiid. I think Embiid is a Embiid. strong number one in this. Yeah, but he's not a number one pick over Anthony Davis. No, the number he's one a number pick. two. Who's number one? That's yeah, probably Anthony Davis. <laughs> it is Anthony Davis. Yeah. So Embiid number two. Who? Who's the third? Ja. Ja Landing is number three. Ja had a play. There was some play where he's at the free throw line like like, a, like 10 days ago and he had to miss the second one and he threw it off the rim and then he just dove. It was like watching Ed Reed dive over a pile to stop like a fourth and one and he just dove sideways into two guys and it was a lane violation. And I like if I ran Memphis, I would just take Ja and I would just show him that clip. I'm like, you just can't do this, right? Here's... Can we show you some Derrick Rose clips from 2010, 2011 when his, everyone was saying, Derrick, don't do this. And then the worst possible thing happened. I hope that doesn't happen to Ja, obviously. But there, there's a recklessness that you can't, there's this one piece that they just have to turn off in his brain that I haven't seen them been able to turn off. He really makes me nervous. Zion 4, Boban 5. <laughs> Boban. Yeah, Zion's a good one. Anyway, Davis, I'd love to see him stay on the court the whole year. I do think they figured out how to get him around the rim, which was the thing that was missing. And they're really trying to get him in the paint around the rim, which is where he always should have been. He's made some jumpers, and the teams they played weren't that good. With all that said, he was incredible in the Milwaukee game. And the Milwaukee game was like such a legitimate statement. Oh, my God. Like, this team went toe-to-toe with a Bucks team that was playing pretty hard and pretty well was at home. And that was what made me wonder like, shit. I mean, if they traded those two picks, the West is wide open. If they got somebody awesome, who knows? If they can keep, they can just keep Davis like this for six months. I'm just dubious. That's fine. I just think we're all happy because at worst, when he's right, at worst, he's a top 10 player. Okay. Yeah. I would say he's top five or six, right? When, when he's going, it's just yeah. been way too long. And, you know, part of it is why do you, why are you so insistent on this power forward thing? You're not staying healthy and they're trying to do that. And they've just abandoned it. I think that's why they didn't bring in another big. So they have no option. Yeah. You know, no, you're right. Like, you, you don't even have the option to demand that we put in this other guy to play next to you. And guess what's happening? Like there's more space for him, but he's, his mid range numbers are down big time. Last two seasons, 23% of his field goal attempts were mid range this year. It's 12%. So as you would expect, he's around the rim more. It's led to these dominant performances. That Milwaukee game last week is one of my favorite games of the season because yeah. the energy the Lakers played with, yeah, I know the schedule's easier, whatever. And like Westbrook not being a net negative is just a positive. 
like the turnover that he forced and then hung on to it. That was like the play of the game. And when Westbrook is doing some of that stuff, like Westbrook looks like he's finally having fun again for the first time in well over a year. Doesn't mean I want him. Doesn't mean I think it's all going to work out and he's awesome again. It's just like it's way better than it was. Look, I think even Lonnie Walker has played better for them. Reeves is like a real rotation guy. So Davis being this good again, this was always my argument last year. As bad as this Lakers thing has been, if Davis is Davis, then you still have a really special player. And so I'm happy to see it because I felt like people forgot it I, and, and or maybe thought it was never going to happen again. And I'm not, I know how hurt he is. He's probably going to get hurt again at some point. But like when he's right, he's an incredible player. And it's, it's made the Lakers thing far more interesting, even though I know you probably enjoyed watching him being what, three and 12 to start the season. I actually think this is more interesting. Because I still, like, as much as I can't stay in the Lakers, I'm still going to default toward, oh, this is awesome. We have this guy averaging 35 and 15 for two straight weeks. I think the the thing that I can't wrap my head around or understand is the Westbrook piece of this. And we'll see what happens against Cleveland tonight. We're taping it before that. But um, he's reengaged. He's got, like, a little bit of a swagger back, but it's not like there was, like, an unintentional comedy swagger with him before where it was like he was trying to do rust stuff, but it's like, your team sucks and you're not good either. Like, stop it. But now there, there's a couple plays where Davis would have a thing and Westbrook's already spinning around as Davis is about to score, like pointing to the crowd. And it just seems like he feels like he's on the team. And I think he plays pretty well with Davis from what I've seen. I think they figured out when LeBron's not out there that those guys have a little bit of chemistry together. So they were able to unleash that with the there's some more movement if you notice more movement with them i thought what they did against milwaukee was awesome they were running these like really tight area switches with lebron and ad it was almost like okay we don't have the spacing that we want we don't have the other things that we normally want let's just make it about you and i and let's get you know right because they don't they probably don't want to leave brooke on you then they were doing something where they're taking Giannis off so he could come over and help uh, to whatever act, and it kept working over and over again. They ran it on the right side, they ran it on the left elbow, and it was just a LeBron AD thing where they weren't using a ton of space to do it. They were doing a really confined area, so like whatever the decision was, it was quick and it wasn't in front of you, and it was really good. It kept working. I like I the latest and, part of this is is well, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just saying they they figured out how to use the space that everybody was giving to Westbrook. They figured out how to leverage it into somewhat of an advantage, right? If you're giving him more space like that, he actually has more time now. To, he has space and the height to see cutters. And if there's movement, he can actually find cutters now. So before it was like, should I shoot? What do I do? Now it's like, no, they're giving you that space. Like be a creator, try to find people. And it's kind of worked. And then they're running after everything. That's the other thing with Westbrook. Like they're just telling him like, fast break, go. And they're getting cheap points. I've been interested in the LeBron piece of this too, because... This is great for LeBron, right? Especially during the regular season. LeBron has kind of moved into this early 90s Magic Johnson role with AD, right? He's just like a facilitator, creator. Um, His three-point shooting's a little bit better than I think the start of the season was really bad. But in general, I think he sees like, all right, let's ride this guy for a couple months, get his confidence going. And Davis like went toe-to-toe with Giannis and was better than him. And how many guys can you say in the league? Could you say that about right now, right? It's less than five. So if you're the Lakers, I don't know. West is open. You have picks to trade. You kind of know what you need. It's not inconceivable. It was inconceivable. They were two and 10. 
I think this is an incredible story. I to say I wrote them off was the understatement of all time. It looked like Davis just was like done as a impact basketball player. It didn't seem See, like I he never even could gave get a there. I, I could never get there because he's still what on the right side of third. I, I just, even though with all the injury history, yeah, part of it that was annoying too is like, why are you taking these shots? Like, why? Are well, you that's become- what I couldn't get by. Why is he taking eighteen footers? Is this just who he's morphing into? I don't like this version. Yeah, but then he got and- it back. To be fair, like to go back the other way as you're getting older and now you're you're battling at the rim. I just, if he had been 35 and these were the injuries, okay, fine. I think you are a little quicker to to write off people because of injuries where I keep more of an open mind. Yeah, I think you're right. Can I, I think add, you're right. Yeah. And and I'm, it doesn't mean I'm right, by the way. It's just my, our approaches are different with that because like when Lillard, I'm like, I don't know. I'd expect that he's going to get healthy. And when he's playing, it's going to be really good. The difference is how long is he going to stay healthy? And as you pointed out, like he just got back again. And now what? And the same concern you can have. I've just, I want to see Anthony Davis, who at one point looked like a top five player, look like that again. And this has been fucking awesome to see. So that's where I'm at with it. Can I ask you one question? Do you know, 39 playoff games for him. So no. Total career. Four first team All-NBAs two first-team all-defenses. He's had four... T- this will be his fourth 25-10 season if he keeps it going. It's been... For what the potential was, I still think disappointing, and I think he needs the season. Like, the best thing career-wise, big picture, how we would think about him long-term is for him to kick ass for this entire season. And you go back and you think about, like, people like... C- like the people, previous generation, C-Web, you know, uh, Dirk, pe- like... They all had to have, there was all a moment when they kind of had to put it together in some way. And you could say it was the bubble season for Davis, but I'm not, it kind of feels like it's this season because the bubble, there was weird stuff with that, but also like, you know, LeBron was still the best player on the team. And this feels like this is like the Davis, like where Weber was in 2001 with Sacramento, where it's like, my God, you're, you finally did it. You're one of the five best players in the league. Your first two ball NBA. You know, and that that's what I think is at stake for him even more than the playoff stuff. What was your question? People want to take Davis off the 75 man list. <laughs> that's a bad guy. Like, hey, we're pissed. We're pissed he's on the top 75. So I this is why I feel good for him. My question is this do you know who has the second most shot attempts per game in the NBA? Player? Yeah, player. Trey Young? Not a terrible guess. But he's third. Who is it? Luca's one. LeBron is two. <laughs> really? LeBron's taken his most shots per game since 2006. Although this year's number just slightly ahead of last year's number. Wow. It's the lowest field goal percentage he's had since 2004. Jesus. Yeah, 21.9 field goal attempts a game. But he's not get, he doesn't get to the line in the same way anymore. He's 4.6 this year. Interesting. Now, the rebounding um, numbers, like whenever you're looking at the older guy and trying to, because I think we're starting to see some of the decline from him. I thought we started to see some yeah. of it last year, which again, really, it, it doesn't, it depends on how you feel about LeBron. But like the fact that he's going to be 38 this month and he's doing what he's doing, it, it, this is all positive. This is all positive. I'm just telling you, like, there's a little line of decline that I thought I was seeing last year. I remember sitting next to somebody with a front office of another team. I was like, you think he's slowing down at all? Then I think he threw down like a windmill over two guys. And the guy looked at me like I was the biggest asshole in the world. I was like, cool, good hanging out. 
Um, but I still feel like I was right. And I feel like I'm seeing it again now. And it's just, it was crazy to me to think that like he's, he's never shot it more in 16 years. Let's say the last yeah. two years, he's never shot it more. And yet this year, this year and look, who knows? Maybe, you know, he's going to spike. He's going to hit these. He's still a ton to deal with. But I saw somebody being like, well, what if you're getting peak LeBron and peak eight? Well, peak LeBron doesn't exist anymore, you know? peak ad maybe does but maybe that does so then it started to turn around with the, because of their their record and what they've been like what what could you possibly think the lakers could do and i'm like the fact they're even competitive right now is the win based on what we thought this was where we thought it was going and that maybe they were gonna have the pick that ended up being when yama lebron can still be physically imposing so as long as he has that even though i i agree there's been some slippage if you could add one player to this team who would you add like one reasonably available player. Oh, that's available? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought we were doing like a make-believe thing. Um, Turner actually doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, Trey Young? <laughs> Trey Young. <laughs> what, it's probably a point guard, right? It's probably a smart guard. Like, it, it's, is it like I really Mike? think Conley, if Conley Yeah, I was going to say Conley was the, my guy. You know who would have been nice for them was was um, Bogdanovich, Detroit Bogdanovich, because mm. he can he can do more than just shoot. Like he can put it on the floor a little bit for you. I mean, that yeah. guy can score. I mean, at one point, I think in that Pacers Celtic series, he was the number one option for them offensively, which isn't you know nobody's nobody's making posters about that. But yeah, Bogdanovich would have been nice. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Mm. I still am all in on the Bills. I think their losses, a fumble in the end zone, a statistical anomaly that hadn't happened in like 70 years against the Dolphins. Allen was hurt against the Jets. I'm I'm still on. I think they're the best team. And I think he's, you know, right there with Mahomes, the best quarterback. I still like we Mahomes should. slightly better, but. I, I have those three bunched together now. Want to see more next week. Cincy, Buffalo, and KC. I like all of those teams, though. I like Philly. I do like, I'm on the Philly thing. Last week Philly changed was, my mind. Yeah, it changed my mind, too. That was impressive. That they are clearly the best NFC. There's probably eight teams, but there's really four. How about college? Who's winning college? I don't know how anybody of the other three teams can handle what Georgia is on the defensive line, even with half of the guys missing from last year. Um. So I can't get Michigan. I can't get Michigan Georgia out of my head from last year. Because I wanted to give Michigan a little bit more of a chance. I thought that they had a front that, you know, physically was pretty good defensively. So maybe, you know, it wasn't the highest scoring game. And then it looked like two different teams completely when that happened. Um, and Ohio State's more talented than Michigan. But are they tougher? They didn't seem like they were tougher when they got smoked in the second half at home to them. And TCU has been one of the best stories. They've been the most tested week to week. Not basically... Not because it's necessarily opponent, but like every week with them, even though you didn't really like their defense. So to see them lose to K-State when K-State had their quarterback settled, they played three guys and they lost to them in the regular season. Uh, you know, I'm glad TCU's there. I'm upset USC isn't. I'm happy with the four teams, but I I always kind of default to talent, man. And hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know that those other teams are as talented. Aaron Judge calls you and says, what team should I sign with? What do you tell him? What are we doing? Rapid fire? This is like the diehards, 1510 the zone. Close out the day. I just haven't talked to you in a while. I wanted your opinions on things. Who do you tell them? Because I have a specific answer on this. 
okay, look, you and I are the same on this. Like when I used to see the Yankee hat, it made me mad. Yeah. It just made me mad. Like I felt a certain way, even though it's the coolest fucking logo and it's the coolest hat ever. It just is. Okay. I think we, can you admit that? Solid. Okay? It's a solid hat. I don't like it's it. A, but it's, it's, it's a solid, solid hat. hat. It's the coolest fucking hat ever. All right. I'll never wear one ever. I would want to stay with the Yankees. Why do I want to go somewhere else? I think he should go to the Giants. Why? I think he could be it, him and Curry could be the guys in San Francisco. And I think the Giants need a face. It's a cool team. The park's cool. He's in the Bay Area. They could do he could do the same stuff Durant and Curry did, where you get you get in on all these little IPOs and you get little stakes of things. You go meet all these rich people and just like go to the National League and you just change your situation. I don't see the Yankees thing. It kind of peaked last year for him, right? They have a weird ownership situation. Um I don't know. I I just I love the change of scenery from it. Like you could be the guy on the West Coast. Like, do you feel like he was the guy in New York? Well, we were only a couple of years removed from like, can Aaron Judge save baseball? Right. It certainly didn't happen. That? No, yeah. Because I, I, I don't know that anybody saves I don't know. baseball. I would I would go, but I'm saying this as a Red Sox fan. But I I I think it feels like the Giants fan would be the coolest move. Just got or Giants move would be the coolest move. Just going back to the Yankees. Like, all right, guys, let's run it back. And you just know he's going to like hurt his oblique, you know, a week later. Giants would be fun. Yeah, but when you Him have Curry, the equity built up, when you have that equity built up already I get with it. that city. But they didn't take care of him, though. Well, all I mean, they have to do is take care of him now. I guess. Um, White Lotus? All in. All would you, fucking in. I'm watching them live week to week. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I love this show so much. I love this show. We keep trying so to get what, Mike White on, but I know he doesn't like doing stuff. So who uh, who's who dies in the last in the last episode? Okay, so let's run through the suspects. I don't think it could be Cameron because that's his wife, right? That's in the water who sees the body. So even if it's a decomposed, she'd be version, way more upset of seeing her husband right. in the water, or unless right. she killed him and was pretending to be upset. Okay. So, and it seems to be a white body, right? Yep. Yes. So, does it rule out Imperioli's family who have a darker olive darker tone. skin? Yeah. Fair. The DeGrasso's. decomposing body, been in the salt water. but Gets again, a little it's a green. Vacation, but it's been a vacation. I mean, you know. So, I've, I've been going body type male and then relationship to it all. It could be, I don't think... They'd have Coolidge's character lose. I don't think she loses in the end of the season because yeah. she's a sympathetic figure. And I don't know that the show would want to lose that attachment. So I'm going to guess it's her husband from Napoleon Dynamite because they end. Cowboy the, Greg? Right. So they end the last episode realizing the whole twist is that the fancy boys from Palermo are all like the main guys connected to her, her husband as she sees the picture in classic television yeah. storytelling. So I don't think she would lose. I think she'll find a way to like get back at, at the husband for trying to fuck her over. So you think it's cowboy Greg in the water? That's my guess. You? But they say bodies. They do say bodies. In the first episode, she says there's bodies 
I know, I know. So that's what I that's what I don't know what to make of it. Do you think the Grasso's take out the pimp? No, I think the DeGrasso's have been established as kind of betas. They didn't really handle it well with the uh when the car getting followed by the car. They were like, cool, take yeah, you should go with them. I don't know. I don't think they step up. Wait, so you think they're betas because they didn't get out and fight a pimp and no, his just, pimp henchman in, in no, an Italian I just think, roadside? I just think they established themselves as they want no part of any of this. So why would they get involved in episode seven? They just Could told evolve- me in episode six they're not getting involved. They're out. What do you think of the show? Tell me what you like about it. I love it. We've been, Joanne and I have been breaking it down on Prestige every week, and it's like the most fun 45 minutes of my week. I love it. I just, it's like a sex-crazed, weirder version of season one, which I also loved. But I really, the, the most, the, the thing I love the most is Italy. You're just going to have to go. You're just going to have to go to that hotel and just send pictures. Because you do I was these random trips. You do random vacations. Like, the, like, just go there. No, that place isn't even that expensive. I did look it up. Unless I'm totally off. And miss- I, I just, stayed at they, the resort at the first one. When they went to um, go see where Apollonia died, in uh, in Godfather One, I was like, I, I I was like losing my mind. It's like this place exists. You can go visit Michael Corleone's mansion in Santorino, wherever the hell they were. Um, I love it. I love everything about it. It's just such. It's one of the only shows. I I think it might be the only show where I don't look up from my phone. I'm just completely locked in. I turn my texts off. I'm just all. I'm taking notes. Just all in. It's great. I think Mike White's like. Would he to write that show by yourself? By yourself, every word. To do that twice in two and a half years is fucking insane. To do it a second time and have yeah. it be good is what's yeah. like the first one's awesome, but whenever you think about like, hey, how would this show work? And then it's like, okay, well, how many seasons? And when you're done with the first season, you're like, wait, so how are you gonna do this again? Here, here's my does the show still work if there's not the dead body introduction of each episode or each season? I think it works. Yeah, I think it does too. Yeah, but it's this extra little like I can't tell if I feel like it's a gimmick. Like, was it a gimmick that White used in the pitch? He's like, okay, we're at this resort. There's a dead body, and then it's like, no, we're just in this world. Like, yeah, he doesn't thinking- care about that. He cares about all the class stuff, and he cares about human nature and human foibles. And Greenwald did a good thing on the Watch about this this week about season two is about all these people who are kind of trapped with their situation. They kind of are who they are. There's no way out and how they navigate being trapped in their specific personalities and life situations is kind of the key to the season. The key to the Mike White thing, though, this was supposed to be one season and done. There was That's what I mean. no second season. Right. So right. this first season was so good. They went back to him and they were like, hey, season two, new location, any interest? And just kind of on the fly, he created this, which I think is incredible. Yeah, I think his dialogue is is really good where it's never predictable. Like I what Greenwald says is really smart. It also could just be people, you know, like I don't yeah. know if if White decides to go I want to create all these characters that are trapped. I think what he does as well as anybody is when he's doing dialogue, you're never quite sure where it's going to go. Succession does a good job of that too. Yeah, like a lot of dialogue is very easy. Like, oh, you're talking about this because you're going to get here. And then this is I already know the line that we're going to be at the next scene of the whole thing. And with White, he's he's just better at having these natural conversations go the way natural conversations do. Like something pricks and then it moves in a different direction. And you're like, oh, wait, we're doing this. And then 
I don't know how it's how it's handled as far as the editing of the sound, but the music and the sound effects that they use at the times you're not expecting to like sell the scene or yeah. throw you off or reset you. The sound part of the show is unlike anything else I've experienced. It's fucking perfect, man. Such a good show. They do a really good job of you're watching it and you're seeing little pieces of a relationship you have or, you know, just little tweaks, right? Even when, when, uh, Aubrey Plaza, the start of episode six, when her character, she's looking at that Ethan and he's like having a psychotic breakdown, basically. She's just like, we're not attracted to each other anymore. It's like, oh shit, we're doing this now. That's what I mean. Is this happening right now before breakfast? We're going for this? It's, I don't know, man. It's, it's an intense show. It's seven episodes feels right. Like the right length, right? I wouldn't want to do 10. I wouldn't want to do five. Um, it always leaves me wanting a little more. And I think they have to do a, a third season now. I think they have to, I don't know where they would go, but they got to do it. Um, I'm trying to think what other shows that I think you would have liked. Oh, you're Yellowstone. You've had Yellowstone's had a rough season, right? I'm one behind. I'm still watching it. They've done a great job with the scenic stuff. Mm, and good. all, all the Costner stuff is still really good. The rip stuff is really good. I'm just kind of out on like renegade Beth. It's been yeah. going on for a while. Like they had one scene with Beth where it was the exact same scene that she'd already done like a couple seasons before. And maybe it's because some of the audience just likes to see Beth go off. Yeah. And I am still a little curious as like what Governor John Dutton's going to be like. But it's just hard. It's hard to keep the momentum. It's hard to keep the momentum of the show. And what I realized what I think I like about the show the most is Montana. Just the scenes. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Thank the God. Because like, not to be artsy guy, but you'd be like, you know, Montana's the main character. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, you could say that with White Lotus. Like, Italy's one of the main characters of that show. It's like you're in a place. Yeah, but I I'm care about you. those I care about those characters more right now than I do with some of the Yellowstone people. But again, I've only been with the White Lotus characters for a week. I've been with the Yellowstone characters for five years. It's hard. Relationships are hard. <laughs> I can't get there with Tulsa King. It's a Stallone thing. It's not a show thing. It's a real just, Stallone vehicle. To just, I can't get there Stallone anymore up, with Stallone. Right? I just can't. I love Stallone. He's one of my favorite ever. And I just, you know, everything comes to an end. You don't it's, like Stallone now. No, That's, no. I just don't want to watch Stallone as the star of a TV show anymore. You know, I wouldn't want to watch Magic Johnson play point guard anymore. I wouldn't watch Golick and Greeny do four hours on radio anymore. Did you? <laughs> all right you can uh you can listen to ryan rosillo's podcast it's ryan rosillo podcast he'll pop on here at least one or two more times before we uh after all-star break we start doing our thing on sunday nights again um and you 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 took nephew kyle to colorado and did a live show with him he was incredible people loved him I was so nervous that he would nervous drink beforehand and be a complete disaster, but apparently he did all right. He played it played it cool. Five years ago, I think he nervous drinks and it's a disaster. No, he was great. He brought some goons along too. Like at first, I didn't realize it. I'm thinking like, your friends are that into me? It was a yeah. real ego thing where I was going like, 
wait. He goes, yeah, yeah, Frolic Room. Like, we're coming like five deep. One guy's afraid to fly. He's going to drive from L.A. to Denver. I was like, you have a guy who's going to drive from L.A. to Denver to what? Drink for a couple days just to see the podcast. And then I it, it just was like this immediate thing where I go, oh, these guys could give a fuck about me. Yeah. They're going to see Kyle and then just to hang out for two days in a different city. Like they don't give a, they're not, they're not locked into anything that's going on with what I'm doing, which I thought was even more impressive. And then you got a big Jeff Green performance, your guy. That guy's got to get a job somewhere, man. He was incredible. What'd you think? I think yeah, I, he was, I thought he was going to be good. Cause I remember with the Celtics, I was always impressed with his interviews, but I thought he was way more personable and, um, he just, you, you know, this, like some guys just get it. They know what we have to do and they know how to play off us and they know what they have to give us. Right. And he just kind of gets it. I was impressed. Yeah. You know, what's always a great sign too, is he sat in the back. There was like a little room. Wouldn't really call it like backstage or whatever. Uh, by the way, Ophelia is Denver. Unbelievable facility. Like great oh, the, setup, great the pictures venue. were awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how cool it would be to see a band that, you know, it's really small setting. Uh, I want to keep checking to see if anybody comes through that I would like uh, because it was that cool of a spot. But Jeff Green's in the back with two of my buddies, one college roommate, another guy that I know from Denver. Because like I had like 15 guys come out for that one. And Jeff Green just sat with him. Like I left and had to go do something else. And then one of my buddies came back. He's like, he just sat with us and talked to us for like 15 minutes. That's awesome. Like, like we're normal. And he goes, that guy, that guy, nine out of 99 out of 100 times doesn't talk to the other people that he doesn't have to talk to. And he's just counting down the minutes until he goes out there with you. And he goes, we were talking about like the neighborhood and where the, I go. Yeah, man. So everybody ended up being like the biggest Jeff Green fans ever after that show. That's awesome. You know, we're going to start doing more live shows at the ringer. You're going to be doing a bunch of them. We have to figure out you and I have to do one live show. And we have to figure out what the perfect city for us is. That would be the most fun. Palermo. Like, <laughs> part of me was thinking Seattle. You know I love Seattle and I'm still mad they took their NBA team. I was thinking a Seattle show would be fun. Just go. It's been 15 years since they stole the Sonics from them this year. This is their, the last Sonic season was 07, 08. The 15 year anniversary Sonics live show. I don't know. I want to do, yeah, I mean, I, the thing I want to do is I want to do a live show in Australia or New Zealand. The number oh, of yeah. emails that we get. Yeah, it's crazy. Because they're such crazed NBA fans and it's a massive commitment. And if I go, like I was trying to figure out a way if I could go Christmas and then the first week of January, but then it's like, you're going to miss the national championship. You're going to miss the bowl game. But you want to so be like there for Australian Open because everybody says that's like one of the five best sporting events. I just want to go to like some breakers games and then jump over to Australia. But like, I just don't know if you can do it right in less than, you know, I can't, I, don't, I can't be out of the country for two weeks while I'm still trying to work. You well, there's I no mean, way Kyle would want to go to Australia. Oh no, he would totally go. No, but that's the thing. Like this fall, I've traveled more, right? Because yeah. I've been stuck a bit where I don't do anything. And I, but when you're trying to keep track of everything still, like just shit being yeah, in Denver for three days without the TV setup that I'm accustomed to. Yeah. Like you're going, all right, what's on the ESPN game? And then you're trying to set up a laptop. And it was like, oh, this is why I don't really do that this much. So if I go to, I, you're supposed to go to New Zealand, Australia, like coming up now, right? This time of the year. Yeah. You're saying for the tennis, I don't, I don't care. I'd, I'd want to just see the cities and then basketball, but look, it's not happening right now anyway. So I'm just talking out loud. You're kind of lukewarm on Seattle. Yeah, I felt that, right? Yeah, you felt Have, When's the last warm. time you've been to Seattle? 
I like Seattle. What, what, what would be your dream city? I think I've been at Milwaukee? Montreal. <laughs> Montreal. I could get a little more exotic. Maybe you like Whitefish, Montreal. Montana. Montana live show? Yeah, I'd love to Our do guest, that. Governor John Dutton. Um, we could do it right, from the Yellowstone. Up. We could ask Brady if we can use his porch. Oh my God. Fucking Brady. He just, he's like Michael Myers. His season won't end. No, They're I'm all done in. yesterday. They're, they, they, they pulled it back again. The team is, I'm all in on Brady. I, I'm more supportive of him than, than relatives right now. That was unbelievable. Um, the Dennis Allen, I thought for sure he was going to get fired. All right, we got to go. Rusillo, thank you. Good to see you. This was produced by Kyle Creighton as always. We'll see you on Thursday on this five. I wanna see them on a way to sun.